0: to the decorum talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday, the 21st of January, 2023. This is Rod and your other readers are Jane, Kevin and Jenny. The editor this week is Kevin. Our technician this week is Joe. This week is team two. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemelhempstead, Burkhamsted and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless stated otherwise. This week's headline is MP received over 250,000 in donations, gifts, and payments, and family tribute to Sheila. These and other stories follow.
1: over £250,000 in donations, gifts, and payments. New data revealed by Sky News and Tortoise Media has found that decorum's members of parliament have received over £250,000 in donations, gifts, and payments between them. The numbers which were collated by the media organisations Revealed the 100 donations, gifts, payments, and other benefits. Sir Mike Penning has declared so far are worth the equivalent of approximately £232,900. Meanwhile, Gagan Mohindra, who is the MP for South West Hertfordshire, has declared 18 donations, gifts, payments, and other benefits worth the equivalent of approximately £23,250. Sir Mike Penning said all donations and external paid work are perfectly legitimate and declared in accordance with parliamentary requirements. This data has revealed that aside from his role as an MP, Sir Mike Penning has three other second jobs. He works for CBD firm Tenacious Holdings Limited, Law Abroad and JT Consultancy. The largest single item, Sir Mike declared, was a donation worth £35,000 from JT Consultancy, while the smallest was £50 in secondary earnings from Yonder, formerly Populous, which is a business management consultant. Sir Mike insisted his constituents will always come first, when asked whether he feels confident he can juggle his additional jobs whilst serving the people of Hemel-Hempstead. As MP for Hemel-Hempstead, my constituents will always come first, Sir Mike told the Gazette. That is a commitment I made when I was first elected, a commitment which I have reiterated at every subsequent election and which I will continue to uphold. The time taken up by any external work is no more than the time it took me to do my ministerial jobs. I continue to devote way more than a five-day week to my role as MP. He added, I can assure you I remain dedicated to the people of the hemel Hempstead constituency and focused on the issues that matter most to them. Gagan Mohindra's largest donation was worth £7,500 from Chigwell, London. The smallest was £75 in secondary earnings from market research consultancy firm Savanta Comres, which also paid £700 to Sir Mike. Gagan Mohindra MP was approached for comment but did not respond to the Gazette's request.
2: Hello, this is Kevin. The family of a Hemel Hempstead woman who died on Christmas Eve after a car crash have paid tribute to her. On the Twenty-fourth of December at around six ten p.m., a black Nissan Duke collided with a pedestrian in Bennett's End Road. Hertfordshire Police can now name the pedestrian as Sheila Christina Casey nee Penrose. Sheila's brothers have paid tribute to the 52-year-old. They said, "Our sister will be dearly missed by all who knew her. She was very outgoing and made friends easily." They added she was well known, not only in her local neighbourhood, but also in the wider community. A lifelong dog lover, she often rescued and rehomed dogs in need of her help. The police are continuing to investigate the crash. PC David Burstow from the Bedfordshire, Cambridge and Hertfordshire Road Policing Unit said, losing a loved one is extremely difficult at any time of the year. But it is especially hard for Sheila's family to get this devastating news at Christmas. Our thoughts remain with them. If you saw the vehicle in the area prior to the incident or captured any dash cam footage, Hertfordshire Police would like to hear from you. Anyone with information is asked to email david.burstow B-U-R-S-T-O-W, at hearts.police.uk or call 1101. Quoting ISR 569.
3: Hello, this is Jane. Learning business skills. Two companies in Hamel Hempstead have helped students from Astley Cooper School to develop their business skills as part of a pre apprenticeship placement. Top Deck Decorating Supplies and Sweet Memory Lane have been training three pupils from the school since October. The students are taught different elements of running a business, from customer service and e-commerce to more hands-on aspects like paint mixing and stocking shelves. Business owner Brian Green has enjoyed having the pupils learn from him and his staff. He said, they've developed their skills and are being rewarded for going above and beyond, which they both do. I think for them to see and to perform is really good for them to grow their skills in future business and job roles. As part of their pre apprenticeship placement, 16 year olds, Sean Kellner and F- Fen Shulver, work at Top Deck, whilst Tyler Waite, 17, trains at the sweet shop in Hemel Hempstead. Brian explained I'm hoping this will give them an understanding of what life, work life is like and how to approach a future job. Coming out of school into a full-time job isn't easy. Astley Cooper, business teacher and the pre-apprenticeship placement coordinator, Zen Mahmood said, our students have the chance to understand the world of work firsthand and acquire transferable skills to prepare them for life after school. I believe this gives our students a head start in life, developing their interpersonal and communication skills as well as independence.
0: Thousands of residents in decorum identify as LGBT plus, new consensus figures reveal for the first time. The Office for National Statistics introduced voluntary questions for people aged 16 and over on sexual orientation and gender identity in the 2021 census. Stonewall described the publication of the figures as a historic step forward after more than two centuries of LGBT plus lives being missing from the national record. The ONS data shows that 2,931 people in decorum identified as a sexual orientation other than heterosexual when the census was carried out in March, 2021. 2.4% of respondents. The most common non-straight sexualities were gay or lesbian, 46.7% of those who did not identify as straight, and bisexual, 42.1%. The vast majority of residents said they were heterosexual, 91%. Further, 8,200 people in decorum did not answer the question. ONS director, Jen Woodford, said the first census estimates were crucial, adding, they will ensure decision makers have the best information so they can better understand the extent and nature of disadvantaged people which may be experiencing in terms of educational outcomes and health, employment and housing. The census also asked people aged 16 and over about gender identity with 477, that's 0.4% decorum residents stating they did not identify with the gender assigned to them at birth. Of them, 93 people were trans men and 93 were trans women. A further 56 said they were non-binary. About 6,400 people did not answer the voluntary question. Nancy Kelly, Stonewall chief executive said, for the past two centuries, of data gathering through our national census, LGBTQ people have been invisible with the stories of our communities, our diversity and our lives missing from the national record. Today is a historic step forward after decades of Stonewall campaigning to record sexual orientation and gender identity in the census finally painting an accurate picture of the diverse rainbow Britain that we now live in, where more and more of us are proud to be who we are. The LGBT Foundation said the data is a huge first step in the making LGBTQ plus people feel included, but added it will be years before the figures provide an accurate picture.
1: Food Hygiene Ratings. New Food Hygiene Ratings have been awarded to 14 of Decorum's establishments. The following ratings on the Food Standards Agency website have been given. Rated 5 are the following. Percatory at Grove Hill Community Centre, Henry Wells Square, Hemel Hempstead, rated on December 13th. Sweetness Catering UK Limited at Robert Dias at 3 Swallowdale Lane Industrial Estate, Hemel Hempstead, rated on December 12th. Kay's Sandridge Bar Cafe at 43 High Street, Bovingdon, rated on November 30th. Taco Bell at 216 Marlowe's, Hemel Hempstead, rated on November 9th. Zero Sushi at forty three Lower Kings Road Berkhamsted rated on october eighteenth. Berkhamsted and Hempstead Sports and Hockey Club at Berkhamsted Hockey Club Tring, rated on january seventh. Wanna Chicken at twenty one Marlowe's Hemel Hempstead rated on november seventeenth. The following have been rated four Tarbush Tring at 50 High Street Tring rated on November 9th. Flavour 38 at 38 Long Children Hemel Hempstead rated on November 23rd. St Martha's lunches at St. Martha's Church at St. Martha's Church. Park Road Tring rated on September 6th. The Black Horse at 26 Frogmore Street. Tring, rated on December 9th. Romino's Pizza at 26 The Square, Hemel Hempstead, rated on November 16th. The following have been rated three Wakusai at 119 to 121 Marlow's, Hemel Hempstead, rated on December 13th. The Castle at the Castle Inn, Park Road, Tring, rated on December 9th.
2: Choose your favourite exhibit. What do a stuffed gliss gliss, Kodak colourkin toy and a 760 year old religious decree have in common? They are all items from decorum that could be named as Hertfordshire Association of Museums, Museum Object of the Year 2023. The association has opened voting for this year's awards and features three items from the borough from Tring Natural History Museum is the Gliss Gliss also known as European Edible Dormouse the stuffed rodent raises awareness of the impact the introduction of species can have on local biodiversity the population in the UK was established in 1902 when the animals escaped from Rothschild's collection at Tring Kodak's promotional toy Click the Kodak colourkin is decorum Heritage Trust entry. Hemel Hempstead's connection to the film brand once defined the area and frequently referred to as Kodak Town. In 1956, Kodak chose the site in Maylands Avenue for its photo processing factory. In 1990, the first series of colorkins came to the UK. A decree from the 13th century, Flamstead is Hertfordshire Archives and Local Studies item of the year. A papal bull with buller was issued by Pope Urban IV on September the 22nd 1263 to the prioress and nuns of the Priory of St Giles in the Wood in Flamstead. This object has been in the archive since 1936. Other items from around the county include a giant toe, a doll's house chamber pot, Watford FC mobile phone, a knife and fork set from D- with deer legs for, for handles <laughs> sorry, with deer legs for handles and a boycott of circus posters.
3: Check led to prison. A drug dealer from Hemel Hempstead has been jailed for three years after being caught by Hertfordshire police who responded to a concerned report for his welfare. Callum Reid, 23, from Jennings Way, was sentenced on January the 5th at Luton Crown Court after pleading guilty to charges of possession of cocaine with intent to supply, possession of cannabis, and two charges of assaulting an emergency worker. He was sentenced to three years' imprisonment plus a further 20 weeks to run consecutively for committing the offences while already on a suspended sentence during a welfare check on Reed he was found and arrested at a family member's address in Hemel Hempstead on november the 22nd last year drugs were subsequently located and he went on to assault two police officers
0: tree saved from chop popular with residents A pub has decided not to chop down a tree after Berkhamsted residents expressed their anger and disappointment when Decorum Borough Council, DBC, approved its planning application. The Crystal Palace pub in Station Road had submitted plans to fell the poplar. Clive Chesser, CEO of Punch Pubs, which owns the pub with Big Smoke Brew Company, has sent a letter to nearby residents explaining the decision to keep the tree. He said, following an exhaustive process, I'm writing to share our findings and thoroughly considered course of action about the tree. And I'm writing to you as a collective to ensure that there is a sole source of the truth. Clive added that the owners were concerned about the trees damage to the surrounding properties. He continued, for clarity, the recent application for the removal of the tree originally included a request to Pollard. This was only changed following challenges we received from other parties concerned about the potential health and safety risk the tree posed. The letter said many companies had declined the Pollarding job as the tree is on a narrow and busy road approaching the station and near the tracks. However, investment manager Natasha Milinkovic had successfully commissioned a reputable contractor to pollard the tree. Residents had urged the pub's owners to consider pollarding the tree, cutting its top branches to encourage growth as an alternative to chopping it down. Maggie Procopi from Burkhamsted Environmental Concern Group had set up a position to save the tree. She said, this is great news. I'm delighted and grateful that the owners have reconsidered and decided to pollard the tree. Thanks go to Big Smoke Brew, Punch Pubs and to the very many residents who made their feelings known. She added, Done carefully, pollarding should ensure the tree remains healthy and an asset to the area for many years to come. I'm looking forward to enjoying a pint or two sitting beside it very soon.
1: Ofsted team think nursery is wonderful. Staff at a nursery in Berkhamsted are delighted after being given a good rating by Ofsted. The report, published in late December, found that Sunhill Montessori Nursery continued to be good after the last inspection in 2017. A spokesperson for the nursery said, We are delighted that the inspector recognised the importance of how settled, happy and independent our children are. The team have worked tirelessly throughout the pandemic, To ensure the impact of lockdown and lack of social interactions during this time did not have a negative long-term impact on the children's social and emotional well-being we continue to strive to provide a warm welcoming and nurturing environment for our children and staff and are looking forward to a busy year ahead inspectors found that children of all ages were extremely confident and speak about their interests to which staff listened attentively. At Sunhill, children with special educational needs and or disabilities were well supported. The report also explained how staff support children who speak English as a second language by using words in their home language to help children communicate their needs. It is also said, it also said that parents responded positively about the levels of communication from staff. The inspector said they praised the setting and say that the nursery is wonderful, safe and exciting setting and that the staff are very caring. Staff at the provision also understood what was expected in terms of safeguarding. For example, the staff knew the signs when a child may be at risk of harm.
2: Hertfordshire police have released dashcam images of potential witnesses who might be able to help in the investigation into a fatal incident in Watford. At around 5.50pm on December 2nd, 71-year-old Robert Bob Clewley from Hemel Hempstead died after being struck by a black Toyota Yaris on the A405 North Orbital Road at the junction of Bucknells Lane. The driver of the Yaris, a woman in her 20s, was not injured. Bob's family paid tribute to him following the incident, saying, Our much-loved dad, Bob, leaves behind a brother, five children, nine grandchildren and a newborn great-granddaughter. He was a true gentleman and was always, would always help anybody. Nothing was too much trouble. Detective Constable Dale Morris from the Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire, and Hertfordshire Road Policing Unit said, "Our inquiries have uncovered dashcam footage of two people who were in the area at the time, and we're hopeful that they may be able to assist the investigation." He explained, "I would like to make clear that they are not suspects in any way, but we are simply but were simply pedestrians walking by. I appreciate the images are of low quality." However, we owe it to Bob's family to explore every line of inquiry. Do you recognise the people in the pictures? Are you one of the people in the photos? Email dell.morris at hearts.police.uk with any information. Report online or call 101 quote ISR 613.
3: CCTV call on crime. Hertfordshire Police is urging people in decorum to join 5,000 other residents who have signed up for CCTV Watch. The initiative runs alongside Neighbourhood Watch, which uses the award-winning OWL online watch link. Those who sign up could be contacted by the police to help them with their inquiries into local crime. Detective Chief Inspector Pete Frost said... We know that CCTV, doorbell cameras and other security devices not only act as a deterrent to burglars and other criminals but they are also invaluable in helping us catch criminals in the act and provide indisputable evidence. We are taking a prevention first approach by being able to contact those with CCTV and doorbell cameras rather than just doing door-to-door inquiries when we know the majority of residents may not be at home.
0: Around 40% of our people are the highest qualified. More than a third of people in decorum have the highest level of qualifications, new census figures show. The Higher Education Policy Institute said, the data which shows significantly Different levels of education across England and Wales highlight the importance of investment in education. Office for National Statistics figures show that when the most recent census was carried out in March 2021, 37.8% of people in decorum had a level 4 or higher qualification, such as a degree, postgraduate qualification higher national certificate or diploma. At the other end of the scale, 14.7% said they had no qualification in 2021, below the national level of 18.2%. Census Deputy Director John Roth-Smith said, the data shows London came out on top with the highest proportion of people with a level four or above qualification. Nearly half the capital's residents hold a higher level certificate or degree. Nearly half the capital's residents hold a higher level certificate or degree. The region with the lowest proportion of people with level 4 or above qualifications was the northeast, with the east midlands at a similar level while the region with the highest proportion of people with no qualifications was the West Midlands. Around one in five adults, Mr Rothsmith added. Nick Hillman, director of the Higher Education Policy Institute think tank, said the numbers are stark. While they show how amazingly well-educated Londoners are relative to other areas, They also highlight the importance of education in true levelling up. London does well, partly because people move there, but also because the education system in the capital is very good, thanks to conscious decisions by policy makers over many years. If other areas are to compete with London, they need similar levels of investment and commitment
1: how the cost of basic foods has soared in six months. To many, it seems like the perfect storm as inflation remains high. Many countries are still suffering the effects of COVID and the war between Russia and Ukraine rages, driving food prices up. On the domestic front, leading supermarket chains are also feeling the pinch and passing on inflated prices to consumers. In the last six months, The largest price hikes appear to be on potatoes, two-and-a-half kilo bag, up in price to between 40p and 60p. Semi-skimmed milk, four pints, up by 40p in many supermarkets, butter up by 70p in some supermarkets. Eggs rising rapidly in price and olive oil also suffering a huge price hike, which in some cases has almost doubled in price. Retailers are also pushing up the cost of their cheapest food items as the cost of living crisis bites the UK. UK inflation ran at 10.7% in November and energy bills remained sky-high as temperatures plummeted. Latest consumer prices index figures from the Nas- Office for National Statistics showed food prices continued to be a pressure point for household budgets. Data rev- released for November showed prices were 16.6% higher on average compared to November 2021. That was up from 16.5% in October despite overall inflation falling by 4 percentage points from 11.1%. Low-fat milk prices were up 45.3% in November 2022 compared to November 2021. Pasta products and couscous prices were up by 36.8%, whole milk prices having risen by 33.9%, margarine and other vegetable fats cost 33.9% more, Flours and other cereal prices, excluding breakfast cereals, are up by 30.1%. Offal prices, such as for black pudding and liver, increasing by 29.9%.
2: And continuing that story, in addition, the price of butter has gone up 28.4%. Cheese and curd prices have risen by 28.3%, while prices for frozen vegetables are up 28.3% too. This does not include frozen potato or tuber products. The price of sauces, condiments, spices, salt and herbs have risen by 27.2% while the price of olive oil has gone up 25.2%. In further price hikes, eggs have risen 23.5%. Other meat preparations that include prepared meat-based items such as pies, pate and canned meat are all up 22.9%. Prices for dried or preserved and processed vegetables such as tin vegetables have risen 22.9%. Mineral and spring water prices have increased by up to 22.9% too and prices of jams, marmalade and honey are 21.1% higher. Further food price, rice misery, includes the price of sugar which has risen by 20%. Bread prices up 20%, prices for ready-made meals up by 20% as well as poultry prices up 19.7%.
3: Food prices on our supermarket shelves are increasing at a rapid rate, with the egg prices one of the items seeing the biggest hike. With some supermarkets rationing eggs, and reports of certain brands rising up by 50% due to avian flu, energy costs and supply chain issues, brand new data reveals the true rise in egg prices for all sizes of egg and packaging. The data reveals that a box of six medium eggs has risen the fastest and that consumers can find the best value in buying larger sized eggs. Experts from price intelligence company, Scoodle, have revealed new data which tracks the rising cost of eggs over the past five months. A box of six medium eggs has risen by 14%, while the same number of very large eggs has risen by only 5%, according to the data. In the comprehensive analysis of the rise of price of eggs in the UK, 120 products sold across the seven major supermarkets have been forensically tracked over a five-month period up until December 5th, 2022. With fresh food price inflation rising to 14.3% for the 12 months until November 2022, the price of a box of six medium eggs has risen by this figure in just the last five months. Avian flu has disrupted the supply chain of some egg ranges, tightening supply of the most popular products and pushing the prices up of six of sizes most in demand. But savvy consumers can find better value on the shelves if they look for a box of six very large eggs rather than smaller sizes.
0: Historic pub closing for good. One of Birkhamsted's oldest pubs has announced that it has permanently closed after dealing with the impact of COVID, the impact of Brexit and the rising cost of living. The Lamb on Birkhamsted High Street reopened in 2019 after being closed for 15 months for a 380,000 pounds refurbishment. Now the pub has announced that it will close for good. A Facebook post said, with a heavy heart, we are sad to announce that we will not be reopening the lamb's doors again. With the compound impact of COVID, Brexit and rising cost of living, we can no longer continue to trade and have decided to move on. Co-owner, Alex Lagrette said, the debt of COVID, the rising cost of living the trouble with suppliers due to Brexit. We've been crunched from every angle, with the bills, the cost of staff going up in April, and there's just nothing left in it anymore. So we're struggling to find a reason to be running a business when as owners we're just working for nothing now and can't even pay ourselves. When asked how it feels to have to close the Lamb's doors for good, He said, I'm actually relieved, to be honest. It's a shame that we've got to leave it behind, but there's quite a bit of interest, actually, in people taking it on. The pub thanked its customers and staff, who have worked for them for over the last three years.
1: Obituaries and family announcements. Betty Agamba, previously Isaacs, sadly passed away on 3rd January, aged 95. Funeral service will be held on 6th February at Bearton Crematorium at 11 o'clock. Arthur William, known as Bill Perriam, passed away peacefully on 31st December, aged 92. Funeral service will be at Amersham Crematorium with details from the family. John Sidney Dyke, funeral service on Monday 13th February at 11.30am, Milton Chapel Chiltern's Crematorium, Daphne Patricia Spencer, funeral service Friday 27th January at 10am at Hearts Crematorium, North Chapel, Daph Francis Stanbridge, funeral service at St. John's Evangelist Born, Born End on Wednesday 25th January at 11.30am. Kathleen Marion Farr, funeral service Wednesday 1st February 12.20 at West Hearts Crematorium. Alan David Wingfield, funeral at West Hearts Crematorium on Thursday 26 January at 14.40. David Edward King, funeral Thursday 26th January at 15.40 at West Hearts Crematorium, South Chapel. May they all rest in peace.
2: Hemel Hempstead's newest crematorium will open in the spring this year according to an update from Watford Borough Council. The crematorium site is on land next to the new Poppyfield Cemetery on Bedman Road. With the exterior of the building almost finished, the internal work and landscaping is left to complete. The crematorium will serve the needs of residents of West Hertfordshire and is the sister site to a crematorium in Garston. Crematorium is being delivered by the West Hearts Crematorium Joint Committee, including representatives from Watford, Three Rivers, and St Albans, Hartsmere and Decorum Councils. David Major, Chair of the West Hearts Crematorium Joint Committee said, the facilities will will be a valuable addition to the community, offering a beautiful and peaceful place.
3: Think of loved ones and plan for the future. Being prepared for your own death is an essential part of life. Here are five simple steps to take. Number one, think about your funeral. The first step is helping your family and also ensuring your wishes for your funeral are followed. It is to write them down, said Executive Director of Red Apple Law, Angie Wilson. It may be easier to start by thinking about what you don't want, as this provides reassurance to your loved ones that they won't choose something you wouldn't have wanted. Then think about what you would like, flowers or donations to a charity, perhaps. What kind of service? Talk through the individual parts of the ceremony with your loved ones. Don't forget about the music you would like played. Number two, start saving now. Dying is actually a fairly expensive business, says Angie. And even the most simpler funerals can cost thousands of pounds. So what can you do about this? The short answer is not much, but you can be aware of it and start planning now. There are a few options from putting money into a high interest savings account to a later years type life insurance plan or a prepaid funeral plan. Although any steps you may have taken along these lines will help, you must be aware of any shortfalls with the sharpest sharp rises seen year on year how can you possibly know how much to save and for how long you have a prepaid funeral plan you're fully covered though aren't you sadly not necessarily i urge you to check one thing how much of your disbursements such as a doctor's certificate flowers etc are included
0: Number three, insure you are insured. We've all seen the adverts and given fleeting thoughts around what if. And many of us have life insurance in place, so we're okay, right, says Angie? Maybe so, but when was the last time you checked the suitability of your policy? If your circumstances have changed and you haven't informed your insurance provider, You could well be paying monthly for something that wouldn't actually pay out. You owe it to yourself to dig the policy out and check through it. Number four, pass on your passwords. Okay, so who knows your passwords for Facebook, Amazon, internet banking, your TV subscription accounts, and just about everything else you sign into online? Other than you, says Angie. In order to work towards your hard earned cash, not becoming part of a forgotten account, what can you do? One solution is a digital asset vault, essentially a digital filing cabinet where you can store passwords, important documents and other sensitive pieces of information all together in one place. You then appoint two to four trusted people with whom you can share this encrypted password with either during your lifetime or only when you choose for them to have it. If you do come across one of these digital asset vaults, make sure you check its security capabilities, which should be at least bank level, military grade.
1: Uh, Number five, where there's a will. Many people have probably suggested making a will over the years. But in my experience, people leave it around ten years before actually getting a will made, says Angie. Why bother? Well, you could leave it and let intestacy, intestacy kick in. This is the set of rules governing what happens to your estate, that is everything you own, if you die without a valid will in place. Partners may get nothing. You won't get to choose who you would like to care for your children, or deal with your affairs after you have gone. Worst of all, if you have no relatives, your estate goes to the crown.
2: On a lighter note, now we've got Life on Tap, the weekly take on life with Blaze Tap. This week we are told is the grimmest of the year, a time when we realise that every last piece of chocolate in the house has finally been eaten and that we will, in more ways than one, be paying for the festive fun until the summer. Even if you are unmoved by the PR-driven Blue Monday narrative, lousy weather, dark long nights mean that many of us have sought a variety of ways to avoid the seasonal gloom. I haven't had to try too hard following the BBC's decision to finally rerun the brilliant sitcom Early Doors, a 21st century classic that he set in an unremarkable Greater Manchester pub. Over the coming weeks, Wise Old Auntie will continue to broadcast two episodes a week on on BBC Four every Saturday night, and they will also sit on the iPlayer. Even though I was a fan of the show the first time round 20 years ago, it's long overdue reintroduction to British culture has brought some welcome sunshine to the tap house this week. An hour of being reacquainted with the humdrum lives of Ken, the lovable but slightly dodgy landlord, and his ragtag bunch of regulars such as professional misery guts Tommy, best mates Joe and Duffy, and oddball couple Joan and Eddie. It elicited some great belly laughs and broad smiles after a particularly tricky day. In my opinion, I can't think of a series funnier than this one in the last two decades, and I implore everybody that hasn't seen it before to seek it out because each episode is 30 beautifully crafted minutes of gentle yet side-splitting comedy. For its relatively small but fiercely loyal army of fans, Early Doors has long been regarded as the most underrated of television comedies with its appeal coming from the fact that crooked coppers aside, we instantly recognise the characters from the show. Anybody who has ever stepped foot in a local will relate with being bored bored to tears by inane chat about roadworks and temporary lights, even if they're not necessarily on Birdall Lane. They will also have encountered more than one curmudgeonly old timer who nurses his pint for hours on end and consistently refuses well-meaning offers of a drink from fellow regulars for fear of being drawn into a needlessly expensive round scenario. I frequently sorry, I frequented numerous boozers where long-standing regulars have been honored with a plaque next to their space and will betide anybody who dares to sit there. I can recall an uncomfortable standoff in a regular haunt of mine between a local of fifty years who quite literally stood on the heels of an unsuspecting visitor who was perched on his stool until he was convinced to move by the, by the embarrassed governor. Although I still get out for the occasional pint or three, I'm not particularly loyal punter and haven't found somewhere as welcome as the programme's fictional pub, The Grapes, or for that matter, a couple of cosy hostelries that I used to frequent in my twenties. What I miss most is the banter. The only time that word should be uttered is when it is used to describe the chat between locals in their public house of choice. Back in the late 90s, at least three times a week, I would visit my rural local, and even if I ventured in on my own, I would be engaged in conversation within, the, within seconds of walking through the door. I became a sometimes member of the Skittles team, where fellow players would sing the Dambusters theme tune, whenever one of their balls bounced its way down the alley it was a frequent occurrence i also miss the warmth and generosity of the pub community something which is often reflected in early doors although i've yet discovered a pub i can call my local i'm certainly there i'm certain there are still many such places up and down the country despite the very challenges the very many challenges landlords and owners face
3: Cat needs a home. Handsome, friendly boy Sam is looking for his forever home. He excels in rubs, leg rubs and nudges, and the auto purrs begin and don't really stop. Sam loves to settle next to you and have a good need of a soft throw or on a lap. Quick tap on the sofa and he settles with you, purring away. He also loves rolling around and will settle his head on your feet, especially if you have cosy slippers on, but socks work well too. Teaser sticks and soft balls are a favourite for playing too. Sam is calm and quiet, thrives on love and needs an environment that will give him plenty of assurance that he can relax and be himself. He would be happier in a quieter home with no other pets and children over 14. He would love a garden to strolling after his extended settling in period away from main roads or through roads. If you would be interested in in rehoming Sam, please contact zero three four five three seven one one eight five one, or look on www.cats.org.uk.
0: What's on the week ahead? Comedy, Harry Hill, Pedigree Fun. Aylesbury Waterside Theatre, January 20th. Harry is back with what he promises are brand new amazing jokes in a show described as an all-singing, all-dancing, one-man spectacular. Audience will meet Harry's new baby elephant, Sarah, and Ian, the information worm. Visit atgtickets.com forward slash Aylesbury to book. Screaming Blue Murder, Comedy Club, Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, January twenty third. The Old Town Hall's resident monthly comedy club returns. Adam Bloom and Abby Carter Simpson perform with Bennett Aaron as compare. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book.
1: Music. Message in a Bottle, Grove Theatre, Dunstable, January 21st. Relive the sound of the police and frontman's sting with this tribute act. Message in a Bottle, perform the police's greatest hits, including Every Breath You Take, Roxanne, Message in a Bottle and So Lonely. Visit grovetheatre.co.uk to book. Queen Rhapsody, Watford Palace Theatre, January 21st. Queen Rhapsody promises the ultimate live concert experience, aiming to recreate the energy, showmanship and emotion of a classic Queen concert. Formed in 1971, Queen signed their first record deal in 1973, released their debut album the same year, and by the spring of 1976 had four albums in the UK Top 20. World's domination soon followed, and one of the greatest and most enduring rock bands still resonate with audiences today, particularly after the biopic of the late Fetty Mercury, which won Rami Malek an Oscar for the lead role. Expect hits including Another One Bites the Dust, Killer Queen, Love of My Life, The Show Must Go On, Don't Stop Me Now, and Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Visit watfordpalacetheatre.co.uk to book.
2: And if you fancy some ballet, Matthew Bourne's Sleeping Beauty is at Milton Keynes Theatre January 17th to the 21st. Matthew Bourne's Sleeping Beauty reawakens celebrating 10 years since its premiere at Sadler's Wells when it became the fastest selling production in the company's history. Enter a wondrous world of magical fairies and vampires where the timeless tale of good versus evil is turned upside down, creating a supernatural love story that even the passage of time itself can't hinder. Visit visit atgtickets.com forward slash Milton Keynes to book or for more information.
3: Movies at Home 999 2016, Saturday, Channel 4, 11.05 pm. Venomous Russian mole, Irina Vlaslov puts the squeeze on private security contractor Michael Belmont and his team of dirty cops and special ops veterans. Michael fathered a child with Irina's sister, Elena, and is beholden to the Vlaslovs if he wants to access his boy. Irina insists that Michael and his accomplices pull off the heist of valuable computer files from a safe house. It's an impossible task within a three-minute window, so Michael and his accomplices plan to create a diversion by killing rookie cop Chris Allen, the nephew of Sergeant Detective Jeffrey Allen. Triple Nine is a taut action thriller with a stellar cast and a robust script penned by Matt penned by Matt Cook.
0: Sky Cinema, The Hanging Sun, 2022. Saturday, 10.50 a.m. and 8 p.m. Adapted from Joe Nesbohr's novel Midnight Sun, this watchable thriller stars Alessandro Borgia as John, who has been raised to be a hitman by his crime boss father, Peter Mullen. However, he turns his back on killing and heads to the far north, eventually arriving in an isolated village where the sun never sets and the community is largely made of strict religious conformists. There John befriends Leah, Jessica Brown Findlay, and her son Caleb, Raphael Vikus but their relationship is threatened by her abusive husband and his twin brother. A dual role for Sam Sprawl, and John's own family who want him back. The Hanging Sun is aiming for Nordic noir, but the mishmash of accents from the cast robs it of any real sense of place.
1: Disney Plus extraordinary you can run but you can't hide from Siobhan McSweeney at the moment the Derry Girls star has popped up in the new series of the Canadian period dra- crime drama Murdoch Mysteries and is hosting Channel 4's Great Pottery Throwdown. She also pops up among the cast of this promising superhero sitcom one of the first British series to be produced by Disney Plus. Married Tyler's takes the lead role of Jen, who lives in an alternative universe. Prime Video, Shotgun Wedding. You may think that shotgun wedding is a rather archaic term to describe the rushed nuptials of those who feel they have to hurry up and tie the knot before the birth of their baby. But when it comes to this romantic action comedy, it has a rather different meaning. Jennifer Lopez and Josh Duhamel Head the cast as Darcy and Tom, who are all set to get married in their dream destination, despite both of them having cold feet.
2: Films at the cinema this week. Empire of Light, from the Academy Award-winning director and writer Sam Mendes. Empire of Light is an intimate and moving story about love, friendship and connection. Set in a coastal town in southern England against the social turmoil of the early 1980s, Hilary, played by Olivia Colman, a woman with a difficult past and an uneasy present, is part of a makeshift family at the Old Empire Cinema on the seafront. When Stephen, played by Michael Ward, is hired to work in the cinema, the two find an unlikely attraction and discover the healing power of movies, musical and community. A Man Called Otto Based on the comical and moving number one New York Times bestseller, A Man Called Otto tells the story of Otto Anderson, played by Tom Hanks, a grumpy widow who is very set in his ways. When a lively young family moves in next door, he meets his match in quick-witted and very pregnant Marisol, leading to an unlikely friendship that will turn his world upside down. Experience a funny, heartwarming story about how some families come from the most unexpected places.
3: Whitney Houston, I Wanna Dance With Somebody. I Wanna Dance With Somebody is a powerful and triumphant celebration of the incomparable Whitney Houston. Directed by Casey Lemons, written by Academy Award winning nominee Anthony McCartan, produced by legendary music executive Clive Davis and starring BAFTA Award winner Naomi Aki, the film is a no-holds-barred portrait of the complex and multifaceted young woman behind the voice. From New Jersey Choir Girl to one of the best-selling and most-awarded recording artists of all time, audiences are taken on an inspirational, poignant and so emotional journey through Houston's trailblazing life and career, with show-stopping performances and a soundtrack of the Icon's most beloved hits, as you'd never heard them before. Avatar, The Way of Water. Set more than a decade after the events of the first film, Avatar 2 begins to tell the story of the Sully family, Jake, Nitiri, and their kids. The trouble that follows them, the lengths they go to to keep each other safe, the battles they fight to stay alive and the tragedies they endure.
0: Football. Hemel aimed to make it a treble. Hemel-Hempstead town boss Brad Quinton is aiming high as he targets a strong second half to the Vanarama National League South season. The Tudors produced arguably their best performance of the season at the weekend as they deservedly ran out 3-1 winners at league leaders and title favourites Dartford. It was a second win on the spin for new boss Quinton, who believes the Hemel players are responding to the new broom at the club, following the sacking of Mark Jones in the lead up to, the, to Christmas. Boosted by a quartet of new signings in the lead up to the, to the game, with Matt Young, Perry Landolo, Josh Williams and Jeremiah Mukendi all joining. The Tudors were, were worthy winners thanks to goals from Jack Westbrook, Kyle O'Connor AG and Mukendi on debut. The loss was Dartford's first on home soil since August. The win was thoroughly deserved. We executed our game plan, and all I can say is well done to the players, said Quinton. They have listened, they have worked hard since I have come in. And that is two wins in the league now, and that is the most important thing and what we are focusing on moving forward. We have been trying to get the lads to play with confidence, but also to work hard for one another. That is the ethos of wherever I have been as player, manager and coach. And the boys have executed that.
1: Continuing football. The dressing room is buzzing at the minute. The boys are enjoying training and they don't want to come off the field. And I can see they're all thoroughly enjoying their football. We scored some fantastic goals on Saturday and could have scored more as well. I'm not going to rest on where we are. We're going to aim high. The win sees Hemel in 13th in National League South, nine points off the playoff places, and they'll be looking for a third straight win when they travel to Welling United on Saturday. Welling, who were due to play at Chippenham on Tuesday night, went into that game one place and one point below Hemel in the table. On Saturday they were beaten 4-2 at home by Dulwich and Hamlet. The last time the two sides met, way back in August, it was Welling who ran out 3-2 winners at Vauxhall Road.
2: And now to basketball. Hemel Storm maintained their 100% start to the NBL Division 1 campaign with an emphatic 131-93 win at mid-table Bradford Dragons. It is now 11 wins out of 11 for table topper Storm, with the wind setting them up perfectly for this Sunday's National Cup final clash with Derby Trailblazers at the National Performance Centre in Manchester. It was a brilliant attacking performance from Storm, who landed 29 out of 43 three-pointer attempts to send their host packing. The first quarter was a tight affair, with Bradford giving more or less as good as they got to go trailing by just two points, 30-28 to 28 the second quarter was to provide to prove pivotal though a storm found their shooting range at one point going on a stunning 33 to 5 scoring run to all but end the match as a contest by the half time break hamel were 74 to 41 ahead well on their way to victory they continued to press in the third quarter bringing up a century of points and although the dragons kept fighting hard the Storm went into the final period protecting a substantial 107 to 66 lead, that allowed Storm to rest their starting five ahead of the National Cup final. And although Dragons did at one point go on a 12-0 scoring spree, Hemel soon regained control. Storm showed an excellent reaction to the Dragons' spurt and were able to close the game out by scoring plenty more points of their own and claimed the win by a 38 point margin. Seth Swale led the way for Storm with 28 points while there was 25 from Taylor Johnson and 20 from Jack Burnell.
3: And finally this week in history January the 18th 1911 US pilot Eugene Ely in a Curtis aircraft made the first landing on the deck of a ship the cruiser Pennsylvania moored in San Francisco Bay. On this day last year, five million Britons were recruited to join a major health study aiming to predict who will get ill in their later years, even before they show symptoms.
0: January 19th, 1966, Indira Gandhi became Prime Minister of India. Following in the footsteps of her father, Jawahari Nehru. January the twentieth, nineteen ninety-three, William Jefferson Clinton was sworn in as forty-second president of the United States. January twenty-first, nineteen o seven, taxicabs were officially recognized in Britain.
1: January 23rd, 1931, Anna Pavlova, Russian prima ballerina, famous as the dying swan, died aged 49 at her home in Hampstead Heath. On this day last year, a Scottish charity which helps provide life-saving surgery to children in some parts of the world's poorest countries celebrated the opening of its landmark 50th operating theatre.
2: On this day last year, an 88 year old grandmother who lost her sight in her left eye became the first person in the UK to detect signals in her eye using a revolutionary new bionic chip. And on this day, not on this day at all, on January 22nd, 1947, fresh meat ration was reduced to one shilling, 5p in new money, worth weekly. We've come to the
0: end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are sunrise at 7.58 and sunset at 16.27, giving eight hours and 29 minutes of daylight. We currently have a waning crescent moon. If you would like to give us any feedback or you have a news story or know of an event taking place soon, that you think would be suitable for our listeners, please get in touch by email to secretary at dtnhemel.org.uk or call and leave a telephone message on number 01442 927123. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music, there is the amenity section that gives details of various group and contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up carefully, turn the label over and pass it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Until next time, it's goodbye from all tonight's team.